It's time now for Love Talk with your host, Evelyn Davison. Evelyn's guest today is Dr. Steve Washburn, Senior Pastor with First Baptist Church, Pflugerville. Today, Dr. Washburn delivers two messages from the series entitled, Praising and Praying Across America. Today, we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And I'll tell you what, it's, I believe it's very important for us to remember that that our nation began as a people of prayer. Our, our nation was a nation of prayer. In uh, June of 1775, the Continental Congress was assigned the task of managing national affairs of the nation leading up to the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And in an unparalleled act of public faith, they issued a public proclamation that read in part, We recommend that Tuesday, June 12, 1775, be observed by the inhabitants of all the English colonies on this continent as a day of public humiliation, fasting, and prayer. They knew the storm that was coming, and they knew the only way to come through that was in prayer. Hall and Hollisher wrote regarding the actual signing of the Declaration. This this is a great picture. They wrote this. The Declaration of Independence is not only one of the world's great political documents, it is also and primarily a religious Magna Carta written and signed by men to whom religion was all important as the basis of lasting freedom. In glowing principles were written with firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence. Among the 56 signers, none was an unbeliever. Before they strode forward to append their signatures, each man bowed his head in prayer. Isn't that a picture? And then after winning the Revolutionary War, those charged with drafting of the Constitution gathered there, and after five weeks of laboring, they had not agreed on one single sentence of that Constitution. And then Benjamin Franklin stood and addressed George Washington, who was the chairman of the uh, Constitutional Committee, And in part, he said this. This is much longer, but I've just taken a small quote out. Benjamin Franklin said, I've lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of man. We've been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. I therefore beg leave to move that hereafter prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business. And from that moment forward, two things changed. One was... That group, before they begin the day, before they said a word, they bowed in prayer. 
They began every session in prayer. And the second thing that changed is every day from that day forward, they made significant progress until they finally completed the most significant, the most earth-shattering political document ever written, the United States Constitution. So for us to say that prayer is important is an understatement. In this nation, it used to be the priority. It used to be the priority. So this morning, we're going to begin a new sermon series entitled Praising and Praying Across America. We're going to begin this morning with a sermon entitled Leaders. We're going to acknowledge this just as it has been from the beginning. God wants us to pray for our nation. And just as it has been from the beginning, God wants us to pray for the leaders of our nation. I want us to look this morning at, at what, may, what may be the most underappreciated passage in the Bible. The choir sang of it this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. First of all, then, and that gives you an idea of the priority here. Paul is giving this number one priority. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, listen, so that we may lead a tranquil, quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good. And it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, you may have noticed the first thing that jumps off this page is prayer for politicians. We don't, we don't dwell on this very often, do we? We don't dwell on this very often. First of all, though, is the way Peter, I mean, Paul starts this passage. Our central focus this morning is on praying for our political leaders, as Paul has instructed. He says, pray for kings and all those who are in authority. This seven-week study we're embarking on here this morning is going to be based on this book, Praising and Praying Across America. We've got it up on the screen. Praising and Praying Across America. It's on sale right here in a mall uh, right now, right over in this area. It's going to guide us through this series. Uh, the book has been written, authored by our own Evelyn Davison, sitting right down here. Uh, co-authored by a, a great many people, a few of which you know. Uh, Carol Everett, also sitting right down here. Uh, Kai Bowman, pastor at Hyde Park Baptist Church. Anne Graham Lotz, the daughter of Billy Graham and yours truly, along with uh, a number of other uh, folks. I'm humbled to be in their number. This is a prayer and devotional book 
that carries the reader through 49 days of devotional prayers. Um, the first 118 pages of the book are devotional, inspirational. They're about our nation, about prayer, about praising. Each one of them um, very, very helpful. The uh, beginning on page 119. Let's get it up on on the screen. Beginning on page 119 is the beginning of this prayer journal. This uh, this is based on a seven by seven by seven uh, theory. Seven minutes a day, seven days a week. Seven minutes a day, um, seven days a week for seven weeks, 49 days. The first one starts tomorrow. That's what this is. See it there at the top? Day one. Now, I want to encourage you, although it's not necessary, um, I want to encourage you to pick up a book. Again, it's at publisher's cost. Nobody's making any money off this. Pick up a a book and begin tomorrow following uh, along with us for 49 days. Being obedient to and honoring this passage from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now what we're going to do is pretty explicit. We begin here up the top with um, praying for a personal need or praying, praying for uh, a current need. That might be, that might be the bombing in Little Rock. It might be Syria. It might be Russia. My suggestion is we pray for revival among other things. And then we just come down the line. And by the way, have you ever have you ever journaled your prayers? Journaling your prayer life means you just write it down. You write it down so you can go back and see what God has done. So we're going to begin here by praying for President Donald Trump. Just write down a very brief prayer. Remember, the whole thing just take seven minutes. Then to write down a prayer request for Vice President um, Mike Pence, if we know what they're facing that day. Uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, uh, Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, of course, is the uh, number one law enforcement officer now over our nation. And just just work through this. Uh, there's a place there to adopt a leader. I'm going I'm going to adopt uh, Governor Greg Abbott, uh, Dan Patrick, Ken Paxton. I'm going to pray for them every day. And then there's a special chapter, chapter 11, that has a place to pray for uh, different things for each day. This whole thing is just to take seven minutes. What we're trying to do here is to provide a devotional way for us to pray for our leaders. What I'm going to do is each week, I'm going to take the Scripture passage for that day, and I'm going to preach through it, and then I'm going to lead us in praying through these prayer needs. So join with us here. Let's pray for our political leaders. Another thing I want us to call attention to is prayer that proselytes. Do you know what a proselyte is? A proselyte is a person who converts from one opinion to another. To proselyte someone is to convince them to change their opinion from one opinion to another opinion. You know, if I convince you, if I convince you to, to change from driving a Ford to driving a Chevrolet, I've proselyted you and made enemies out of about half the people in this congregation. <laughs> if I, if I proselyte you to stop rooting for A&M, start rooting for Texas, 
I'd have to, I'd have to move to Oklahoma. <laughs> or I could proselyte you to change from being one political party to being another political party. And I'm not going to name names there. But you get the idea. Proselyting someone is to, is to convert them from one way of thinking to another way of thinking. Well, the prayer instruction we're given here in our passage is a prayer that proselytes our leaders to convert to Christianity. Paul says we are to pray for our leaders in verse number 2, so that we may lead tranquil, quiet, and godly lives. Now, only... Only a Christian leader can lead to lead godly lives. You understand that? If a leader leads us to live ungodly lives, that leader is not a Christian, not a Christ follower. If a leader leads us to murder babies, then that, that leader is not a Christian leader. <laughs> if a leader leads us to approve of those who murder Babies. That leader is not a Christian leader. If a leader leads us to embrace same-sex marriage, that leader is not a Christian leader. If a leader leads us to embrace the destruction of freedom of religion, that leader is not a Christian leader. You may already know this, but Nero was probably the emperor of Rome at the time of the writing of this uh, passage. So Paul is writing to Timothy, who's the pastor at Ephesus, and he's saying, listen, Ephesus, uh, Timothy, lead the church there at Ephesus to pray for Nero. Pray that he be converted to being a Christian. Let's pray a proselyting prayer for Nero that he will embrace faith in Christ Jesus. Why? So that, so that we can live godly lives. Well, I'm sure in obedience they prayed for Nero. We have no evidence that he gave his life to Christ Jesus. But I'll say this. I'll say this. Franklin Graham is coming to our area soon next year for a great area-wide rally. I've been asked to be the point person for the Pflugerville area. And the man on Franklin Graham's team who enlisted me for this told me, and I'm passing this on to you, he told me that Franklin Graham took Donald Trump aside, shared faith with him, and and Donald Trump prayed and gave his life to Christ Jesus. Franklin Graham did that. So let's pray for our president. He's a baby. He's a baby Christian. You know, he's he's shooting himself in the foot quite regularly, it seems to me. (laughs) Well, let's pray for him. Let's pray for Mike Pence, who's been following the Lord for a long time. You know, I don't know about Rick Tillerson. Jeff Sessions, I believe, has been following the Lord for a long time. Let's pray for these men so that, so that we can live godly lives, is what, is what Paul is saying. We want to live God-honoring lives. So let's pray proselyting prayers 
for our leaders. Let's notice something else here. This isn't just prayer for leaders. It's also a prayer for everyone. Here in verse 1, I urge that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Everyone. And look at verse 4. God wants everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of truth. So this prayer is also a prayer that proselytes everyone to convert to Christianity. Last Tuesday night, I met with the young singles for some great barbecue. Uh, Warren Smith, uh, I mean, that guy can fix some barbecue. Uh, Jenny's a great hostess. I told them I was going to mention their names. Where are you guys? Yeah, there you are, right there. They had the singles over at their house, and we had barbecue, and the singles barbecued the pastor. We, we had... We had a Q&A session with the pastor, and anything was fair game. They could ask any question at all. I want, I want you to know, they weren't bashful. They went right for the jugular. They, they, they did. And I love those kind of sessions. I love these Q&A sessions. We'll do as many of those as, uh, as anybody wants. But the evening kind of cranked long, cranked long, cranked long. And as we were getting to the end of the evening, the question came, Pastor, what's your position on Calvinism? Now, I'm not going to get all off in Calvinism except to say to you a few things. I'll say uh, Calvinism is the doctrine that God, before the beginning of time, decided who he wanted to be saved and who he didn't want to be saved. Calvinism teaches that he wanted some folks to be saved, and those folks are going to be saved no matter what they do. And then God decided he wanted there were some people he didn't want to be saved, and they can't be saved no matter what they do. Just so you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Calvinist. I know a lot of friends who are Calvinists, but I'm not one of them. You know why I'm not a Calvinist? This is one of the reasons right here. Look at verse 4. God wants some people to be saved. Is that what it says? You'd believe anything, wouldn't you? you just, I could read anything up here and you'd believe it. Look up there at the screen. God wants who? Everyone to be saved and know the truth. You know what I, you know what I think that means? <laughs> I think it means God wants everyone to be saved. I think that's, I think that's what it means. Now, there may be some great biblical scholars out here who add to that, yeah, but, and I, you know, that's not me. I'm not one of them. The thing we learn here is that God wants everybody to be saved. Now, we don't know everybody. You don't know everybody. But you know somebody. You know, you know some people. And what we're pressing home here this morning is that God wants each of us to pray for those people we know who aren't trusting Christ yet. Why? Because God wants them to be saved. So we are to proselyte them. We are to convince them to convert from having no faith in Jesus to having faith in Christ Jesus. We are to pray for those people. Why? Because God wants them to be saved. One last thing. Prayer that pleases. This is important. 
We need to hear what Paul says here about the kind of prayer that pleases. Verse 3, this is good and it pleases God our Savior. This kind of prayer pleases God. What kind of prayer? Prayer that blesses politicians pleases God. Prayer that proselytes politicians pleases God. And prayer that proselytes others pleases God. All others. Two students, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, sat in their dorm room at Stanford University and kind of tried to put into words what they believed their future should be all about. They came up with this mission statement. To organize the world's information and make it universally acceptable and useful. The result of that mission statement that they dogmatically pursued was a little organization called Google. Google. I mean, what would we do without Google? I've got Google on my desktop, my laptop, my phone, my, you know, my smart pad. It puts all the information in the world at my disposal because those two guys came up with this mission statement. All of the most successful businesses have mission statements now. Federal Express has a mission statement. Barnes & Noble has a mission statement. Nike has a mission statement. Here's their mission statement. To bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. State Department has a mission statement. If you're interested, nobody really cares. Here's their mission statement. <laughs> to create a more secure, democratic, and prosperous world for the benefit of the American people and the international community. Yeah, who cares? Individuals are writing personal mission statements. I picked these up off the Internet. Here's one. I live to serve my talents as communicator, artist, and independent businesswoman. I create balance in work, play, and community. That's pretty ambitious. Here's my favorite. I strive to be the kind of person my dog already thinks I am. Man, I would be somebody if I could. <laughs> you have a mission statement? Do you have a personal mission statement? If you, if you were to write a personal mission statement, would it have anything in it about praying to please God? If you were to write a personal mission statement that included in it praying to please God, 
then you and I would begin praying for politicians. We would begin praying to proselyte politicians, proselyte everybody. Praying to please God. One of the most overlooked and undervalued passages in Scripture. Now, I'm going to end the messages in this series this way. But I need help. If you'll help me with just a short prayer, come down here and stand around me. Don't need everybody. You just you can stand there if you like. But if you'll come down here and help me, come on, make your way down. Stand around me as I lead us in praying for our nation, praying for our nation's leaders. Father, so many of us here... So many of us here, not all of us, but many of us here have had the opportunity to put on the uniform and to serve you in a very direct way. We believe you used us and we believe that was pleasing to you. Lord God, most of us are beyond that now. And, and we're looking for, we're looking for a real and tangible way to be pleasing to you. So we come before you here this morning humbly, asking that you bless our nation. Please, bless America. Bless President Donald Trump. Bless Vice President Mike Pence. Please bless our lead diplomat, Rex Tillerson. Please, Lord, bless our lead law enforcement officer, one who loves you, Jeff Sessions. Bless, bless the on-fire follower who leads our state. Greg Abbott. Bless Dan Patrick, who is an unapologetic warrior for you. Bless Ken Paxton, who loves you so much, stands in the gap for us here in Texas. We pray that you bring revival. Revive Revive your American church. Restore us to who we once were. Make us the change agent for the world as we are the change agent for this nation. Bring revival to this church. As you have elevated us to a position of a city on a hill here in the North Austin area in the Travis County and perhaps across the state, we pray that you make out of us everything we need to be bring those over whom we have influence to their knees before you. And we lead in that. Now, Jesus, we love you. We, we seek only to honor you and make you famous. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Ellison Salazar Garage and Body Shop. At Ellison Salazar, customer satisfaction is our main concern. For a tune-up or major body work, Central Texans have trusted Ellison Salazar for over 55 years. Ellison Salazar. Hail damage specialists, smoothing out life's dents and bumps. Big or small for you and your car. Now at three locations, south at 4501 South Congress, north at 8808 Research Boulevard, and new northwest location at 8425 Anderson Mill Road. Call 444-5555. That's 444-5555. Ellison Salazar. Fixing your auto problems and needs with a happy face and the best professional touch. George Christensen and his family at Casa Mechanical Services are longtime friends and sponsors for Love Talk, Love Walk. These Casa friends are professionals with more than 40 years' experience in providing heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical services in the Austin area. If your heating isn't heating, your cooling isn't cooling, or your drains aren't draining, well, then you need to call our friends at Casa at 334-7300. They provide sales and service on all major brands from professionals you can trust. So big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. Call CASA at 334-7300. From inspiration to insurance and protection, all for serving the Lord Jesus. We all need insurance. Why not work with an agent that understands the biblical principle of protection and risk management to insure your family's future? Ray and Justin Garner are Christian business professionals who will put a Christian perspective on your insurance and inspiration needs. For auto, home, life, business, health, boat, motorcycle, RV, and dental, and church protection needs, Ray, Justin, and Luana can be reached at 626-4880 or 986-4944 for church protection, personal protection, and business protection. Ray and Justin are independent Texas businessmen that have dedicated their lives and business to the advancement of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ through Austin Triad Ministries. Call Ray Garner Insurance Agency and ask for Ray at 626-4880 or Justin at 986-4944. Information you want on the world of culture, the world of entertainment, the world of finances. Information you need for your world. Today's Christian Talk 1120, The Bridge. Hi, this is Steve Washburn, pastor at First Baptist Church, Pflugerville. We're the ones who just built that beautiful new 33,000 square foot worship center there on Pecan Street, just as Jenner Town. Say, listen, if you're looking for a church home, I wish you'd come check us out. Lots of other folks sure are. We're one of the fastest growing fellowships in the Austin area. We're trying our best to offer something for everyone. No matter what your situation in life, you'll find good friends here. I know I'm biased, but I believe we have some of the most uplifting worship services you'll find anywhere. Many of you are familiar with Tom Cotter and his praise band, By Design. Well, we're fortunate to have them leading our modern worship experience at the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings. That's our largest and fastest growing group. But I'm also excited about something new we're trying in our 9 o'clock hour. Daniel Reclue is one of the area's most gifted choral directors, and he has reinvented one of the only genuinely traditional worship services in the area for those of you who are boomers and long to return to the joyful worship of your youth. Listen, Google us at First Baptist Pflugerville and come see us. Day after day, we are constantly hearing about how bad everything is. Isn't it about time to hear about what's right and good? Isn't it time for some good news? If your answers are yes, then you need the Good News Journal. 
The Good News Journal is published by KTXW's own Evelyn Davidson and is packed with news and information about the good things that are happening. With a healthy dose of hope, happiness, and humor, The Good News Journal is distributed free throughout Central Texas at hundreds of locations, including Walmart, Popeye Chicken, Central Market, Bob Bullock Museum, libraries, churches, and other locations. And did we say The Good News Journal is free? For advertising information or to have an article published, call Good News Journal at 249-6535. The Good News Journal is an inspirational, patriotic journal published bi-monthly to bring you God's good news. The Good News Journal, 249-6535, or read it online at thegoodnewsjournal.net. Let's return now for the second half of Love Talk Today with your host, Evelyn Davison, and her guest, Dr. Steve Washburn. Today's message from Dr. Washburn was delivered to his congregation at First Baptist Church, Pflugerville. I'm always aware that whenever we gather together this way and open Scripture and spend time in the Bible, the Spirit of God touches people, weighs heavily upon hearts. And, and you may have come here today and you're kind of blown away by how serious we take this. You know what? Yeah, you're right. You have, you have correctly analyzed us. We, we take Scripture seriously. We believe this to be God's voice. And He speaks to us through His voice. He's spoken to you this morning through His voice. And to some of you, He has said, Follow me. Come on. Follow me. That's what he said to Peter. That's all. Follow me. Andrew, come on. Follow me. James, John, come on. Follow me. Where are you going? They didn't ask that. He said, follow me. Many of us here have done that. Many of us have just followed. We're Christ followers today. We don't much care for the, the term Christian because it's become too overused. We do like the term Christ follower. We're following Christ. He's... He's inviting you this morning to follow Him. Will you? You say, Pastor, I'm not sure how to do that. Well, it's really easy. We're going to sing in just a moment. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do while we're singing. Just, I'm not Jesus, but just step out wherever you are and come on down here and, and talk to a counselor. That's how you begin. Just come in here and talk to a counselor. And the two of you visit for just a moment. And the result of that time you spend together will be that you become a follower of Christ. Isn't that what you want to do? Come on, isn't that what you want to do? And some of you are looking at me like, come on. I'm telling you. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Will you? Daniel, why don't you come on? The invitation this morning is that as we sing this last song, you, for the first time in your life, put Jesus ahead of everything else. Ahead of everything else. Give it, give it to Him. 
and do what many of us have done to say, okay, here I come. Here I come. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow Jesus. This is my day. Didn't know it when I came. Had no plans to do this this morning. But here I come. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus the way some of these other folks are. Will you do that today? <laughs> Will you do that today? Linda and I are watching Band of Brothers. You ever watch that? You know, the first paratroopers. I'm so impressed. These guys lined up at the door, back to back. The light turned green. You know what they did? Zoom, 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 zoom. They started jumping out that door. Jumping out that door. Will you do that this morning? Go, go, go. Stand together now as we sing. Waiting for the fragrance of your presence. Wanting to catch a glimpse of you I want to see your face Touch your garments Standing amazed by you Last, uh, last Sunday, we began a sermon series entitled Praising and Praying Across America. We are using this book by the same title, Praising and Praying Across America, as a scriptural guide to kind of guide us through 49 days of praying for our nation's leaders. I suggest you pick up a copy. They're right out here, selling for publisher's cost. It's a great work, and one, if you have, uh, if you followed this week, you've been blessed by it. By the way, uh, Evan, you did a great job picking out scripture for, uh, scripture passages. They're just, they're very good. Praising and praying across America. The idea is, we spent time with this last, uh, Sunday. One of the most overlooked passages in the New Testament is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where we are commanded, it's not a suggestion, we are commanded to pray for our national leaders. And that's what the devotions in this book are aimed at. We're going to spend the next seven weeks walking through the 49 days uh, of those devotions. We come today to day 7 
We are in day 7 today, and we're going to spend time in Matthew chapter 21, verse 21, if you want to turn there uh, in, your, in your Bibles. How many of you, and I, I want to ask for a show of hands, how many of you received the email I sent out this week? Okay. In the email, I suggested that you join me in praying uh, for our nation and for our president, President Donald Trump, last week. The reason for that was because of our participation in the G20 summit. President, uh, President Trump was over there meeting with and praying with 20 of the world leaders. Big, big deal. And I suppose uh, at, the, uh, at the crest of that importance would have been his meeting with uh, President Vladimir Putin from Russia. The, these are important things. You know, we're, we're facing right now, we're facing significant issues in Russia, in North Korea, in Ukraine. And uh, these folks are over there working these things out, and we needed to be praying for them. Let me ask you a question. We live in a nation of 330 million people, growing all the time. How many people would you suppose in our nation were praying for President Trump last week? How many people? Out of 330 million, how many do you think were praying for President Trump that God give him wisdom and guidance and direction? Because he needs it. I'm thinking very, very, very few people. We're praying for President Trump. I've got a number in my mind that's really, really small. Everybody's too busy. Busy with all kinds of things. To be praying for President Trump during last week, which is a very important meeting. Now, let me just, let me just say this. If you have children or grandchildren any close to military age, this should be very meaningful to you. There are things going on that could require uh, the involvement of our children and our grandchildren in the military. So we have vested interest in, in praying for these things. This is very, very important. That's a bit selfish, I suppose, but true. Very, very true. I, you know, when I say... There are very few of us praying. I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming a number of us were praying for President Trump. That may, may not be a good assumption. But here's, here's my conviction. Those of us, whoever you are and how many of us there are, those of us who were praying for President Trump and uh, for the G20 summit last week, my thinking is we had a huge impact on the apparent success of last week. I, I believe God listened to our prayer, because nobody else is praying. Nobody else is praying. I believe God listened to our prayers last week and answered our prayers. That makes you pretty powerful in this, in this activity. You're quiet. You don't believe that, do you? Do you believe it? See, here... Here's the truth. We don't put much confidence in our prayers for our nation. We just don't. We don't put much confidence in our prayers 
for our national leaders. We, we just don't. Questionnaire circulated by Lifeway Research, who, by the way, is the Southern Baptist Convention Research Agency, found that we are pretty picky about what we pray for. Their prayer, their poll revealed what percentage of our prayer time, what percentage of time we spend in prayer is devoted to certain subjects and certain things. For example, 82% of our prayer time is spent praying for our family and friends. That's understandable. We pray for our own problems 72% of the time we are in prayer. We pray for our enemies. This says 37% of the time. I think that's too high. You know, I'm, I'm thinking as these people fill out this questionnaire, they thought, I, I need to say I do here. I, this is something I need to check yes on. I, I don't think we pray for our enemies 37% of the time. We pray for financial prosperity 36% of the time. 21% of our prayers are asking God to help us win the lottery. <laughs> That's probably low. I'm having to edit all this in my head here for a minute. We, uh, 13% of the time, we pray for our favorite sports team to win. At the bottom of the list is government leaders. We only pray for our government leaders 12% of the time. And I'm thinking that's high. Again, I'm thinking that's one of those things as people are filling out this questionnaire, they thought, I better, I better say I pray for our government even though I don't. Here's my thinking. My thinking is typically we pray for our government 1% of the time. Or 0.1% of the time. Or 0.01% of the time. I don't think we pray for our government. That's where I am. I don't think we do this. Even though we're commanded to do so. This morning we're going to entitle our study Mountains. And here's the thing Jesus wants us to hear. God really does answer prayers. He really does. In, in the event we're about to look at, I think the overarching lesson Jesus has for his disciples is you can pray and your prayers really will be answered. Follow along with me here. It's a short passage. Matthew chapter 21, beginning of verse 21. Jesus answered them, I assure you, if you have faith and do not doubt, You'll not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you tell this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it'll be done. And if you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, don't answer me, don't shake your head. When we read this passage, we have a little bit of a check spirit, don't we? We, you know, we have just a little bit of a check in our spirit when Jesus says this to the disciples. So let's walk through this. God answers prayer. 
How? We need to go ahead and just wade right into this. One of the ways God answers prayer is figuratively. Talking to his disciples about the power of prayer, Jesus says to them in verse 22, If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And then to punctuate his teaching, he tells them, If you pray and believe, you can ask that this mountain will be totally destroyed, thrown into the sea, and it will be done unto you. Bam. What we're looking at here in our passage may be just a figure of speech. Every language known to man uses figures of speech. Figure of speech is used to give special emphasis, focus special attention on the topic at hand. Sometimes God uses figures of speech in the Bible to call attention to the point he's trying to make. How do we know if God's using a figure of speech? Well, we've got to use our brains. How do you know when I'm using a figure of speech? We've got to use our brains just a little bit. And for those of you who are out there saying, well, I, I don't want to use my brain. I don't have a message for you. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got no, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> I've got nothing to say to you if you don't want to use your your brain, when a passage uh, literally does not make sense, God's probably using a figure of speech. Let me give some examples. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16, Paul calls himself a fool. You know, that's nuts. That makes no sense at all. God, I mean, Paul was a brilliant, brilliant man by any standard of measure. So... The figure of speech Paul is using there is sarcasm. He's trying to make a point. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 12 says, The trees will clap their hands. <laughs> trees don't have hands. My, my trees don't. Do your trees have hands? And they don't clap. The figure of speech being used there is personification. Psalm chapter 17, verse 8, David says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Eyes don't have apples in them. The figure of speech being used there is called a simile. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. During the first communion, Jesus says, Take, eat, this is my body. (laughs) They were not... Eating Jesus' body. There are some faith systems that struggle over this. You know, we just need to get to them and say, people, come on, they weren't eating Jesus' body. They didn't have their steak knives out. Figure of speech being used there is a metaphor. Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus told the disciples, I will make you fishers of men. Men are not fish. And typically, men don't get caught up in nets. Typically, they don't get caught up in nets. Figure of speech being used there is hypocatastasis. Then there is something called a parabola. You know what that is? Parable. Do you recognize that Jesus sometimes uses 
parables? We know when he's using a parable, don't we? Listen, if you have if you have a question over whether or not you're reading a parable in the New Testament, give me a call on the phone, ask me. Just give me a call on the phone, ask me. If Jesus is using a parable. Second Samuel chapter one, verse twenty three says, Saul and Jonathan were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. That's called a hyperbole. Or an exaggeration. God uses these kinds of figures of speech to communicate great truths to us, and it's okay. I'm okay with it. You need to be okay with it. Do we ever use figures of speech when we communicate? I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. <laughs> don't don't one bring to me don't bring one to me barbecued. I'm gonna struggle with that. Let me just walk down through some of the rest of these. I sat in my study and came up with these. Little guy as cute as a new pup. That man's stronger than an ox. That runner is faster than grease lightning. Her face was soft as a baby's behind. Then Linda walked in. Linda looked at me with doe eyes. You know, God literally went out, killed a female deer, plucked the eyes out of this female deer, and put them in her eye socket. She looked at me with doe eyes. Beautiful too, by the way. You know, I told someone just a moment ago, my wife has a green thumb. If anyone were to read these things out in the future and didn't have brains, they'd think you were the ugliest woman in the world. Doe eyes and green thumbs, for crying out loud. He smiled with teeth of pearls. The view was so beautiful it took my breath away. Man, I am dying of thirst. He absolutely blew his top. Do I need to explain any of these to you? Do you? Do you understand? The, are you okay with me using these figures of speech? Is it okay if I use these in my sermons from time to time? And some others, do you think? I don't, it's good because I don't think I could talk without using figures of speech. And listen, here's where I am. I'm okay with God using figures of speech, too. I'm okay with that. Are you okay with it? You say, well, I want to believe everything God says. Well, you go ahead, because when Jesus says, this is my body, eat, you're not going to understand what he's talking about if you insist on God meaning everything, everything, everything literal. Let's get our brains out of the bottom drawer and... Understand when God's speaking figuratively. Did God intend for Matthew 21, verse 21, 22, to be understood figuratively? Well, it's, it's okay. Let's wade into this a little bit further. At the very least, what Jesus is saying here is God answers prayers powerfully. To get this, we have to look back. At what happened just before this passage. If you have your Bibles there, go back to verse 18. What we're doing is setting us down in context. Early in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he went up to it, found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. At once the fig tree withered, 
When the disciples saw it, they were amazed and said, Whoa! No, that's not what they said. They said, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? And what did they just witness? They witnessed a miracle. They witnessed one of they witnessed one of Jesus' miracles. Now this happened literally moments before Jesus said something to them about the mount being destroyed. and depression, have rebellious kids, or or just want to pray for your children. Maybe you simply don't know where to start in prayer. We specialize in creating the tools to help you learn how to pray and pray effectively in a variety of life issues. Get your free MP3 download today on the topic of your choice. Go to www.letspraytoday.com and click on shop for your free audio prayer download. Become a friend on Facebook and let us know what prayer topic you need help with. You know, the world has changed and getting connected is really no longer a trend. It's a reality. And it's happening all around you, leaving you to wonder, how do you get connected to your customers while staying ahead of the digital revolution and your competition? Well, Texas SEO is a Christian-based online marketing company, and they're the partner you can always rely on to navigate through the ever-evolving digital landscape. To schedule your free consultation and digital analysis, call Texas SEO at 1-888-988-9736 or visit the website texasseo.com or simply Google Christian SEO Company and you'll find them in the first position. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow. These guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca. And they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a show place. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-258-0093 or www.timsmithlandscaping.com. 